Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. We got DJ Murakami with us, and we are going to chat about masseter training and some neck training also, buddy. Cool. Yeah, I've, I've been playing around with this for most of the year, and I'm loving it. Love to, to dive in with you guys. Have you had to uh, get new shirts or anything like that just because of too much no. neck and trap size? I got to pop some collars now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you think about, you know, everybody talks about training the core tissues, right? So you talk about lumbar and, and thoracic, but nobody really talks about, at least in the overall fitness community, nobody really talks about training the neck tissues. And you, you look at it and you go, well, you got muscles there. You should, especially the jaw, because it is one of the strongest areas. So it would make sense that you should train them, at least train them responsibly. Yeah. And what I've kind of discovered is it's a easy access point to global tension and bracing. So mm-hmm. we think about the hands and grip. We think about the feet, but the jaw which is, you know, it co-activates with the neck. So I'm just thinking jaw and neck are like one system. Mm -hmm. That right there is easy for people to tap into and use as like a bracing technique. You know, it's it's an easier version of the Valsalva maneuver, essentially Mm -hmm. how I see it. And you don't need to apply, you know, for people that think, oh, this is super dangerous, this and that. Like you don't need to apply that much force to get the benefit. No, I mean, you just clench your teeth and... Mm -hmm. I mean, chewing beef jerky is probably going to be more difficult than biting a load properly. <laughs> well, I, because even without load, I've just been using a towel and just putting a towel in my mouth and biting down on that, even just going through other basic movements like deadlifting and rows. And the perception for me is vastly less effort. Yeah. And that's, and I want to say thank you because. I first started playing around with it because of the strongman feats. Mm-hmm. And then, um, Dennis, you're the first person I saw exercising with it, doing like a compound movement deadlift mm-hmm. with the kettlebell in your mouth. And that just opened up a whole new world for me. And then, and then using the band on top of that. And I mm-hmm. think there's really good application, not just for like cool feet of strength, but for helping beginners and general population finding tension and incorporate the head. It's really hard for people to have the sense of where their head is relative to their thorax Mm -hmm. and hips. Yes. And when you have a kind of a band or some sort of anchor, they automatically like orient their balance and structure over that. And I think that's really good reference and feedback to have. Well, I think we lose perspective that on top of the spine is our bowling ball. And so when you, sit back and you look at that, you go, well, you've got to make sure the whole entire spine and the tissues supporting that are good with supporting this bowling ball that's sitting on top of it. So to tell people to just really train only two thirds of that tissue line just doesn't really make sense. Yeah. It's all connected. I used to hear people like uh, Dr. Perry Nicholson say like Mm -hmm. the head or the neck or something is, is the psoas. And it was kind of like mystical, but I'm like, it makes sense Mm -hmm. because you, yeah, that bowling ball, when you balance it, your feet, your hips are all going to have to orient around that and adjust. And you have stabilizing muscles that are going to, you know, come on and come into play in different uh, orientations. So 
it, it makes total sense how it's all connected. And the stabilization of the jaw and then the act, the co-contraction activation of the neck tissues, that then takes what I think would be inefficient energy expenditure as you're going through exercises and compound movements. The body's trying to stabilize all this, but once you bring that bite force into it, then can take that energy and then dissipate and extend it to where task is mostly being generated. Yeah, that's interesting, especially when we, we ran some tests of people biting the band and hooking around their feet. And the vast majority were reporting more uh, reps workload being done with lower perceived effort, it feeling easier, lighter. You know, that's something that everyone can try in which mm -hmm. sold me on the idea of this is a tool, an easy tool that can be used, bypass all the queuing, just have someone set up with this tension and it, it's a good one. So are you starting someone out with a pretty light resistance bands, almost like one of those, you know, those really, th I think like TheraBands, those thin ones, or is it something thicker than that? Yeah, I'm starting them out light. I'm keeping them light and I'm giving everyone a light one. It's just so they have the reference mm -hmm. pretty much because they, they're allowed to extend tall from that point instead of kind of people just cranking their head back thinking, yeah. Oh, you know, it, they're forced to do it through their structure, their spine, their body. And I think just that global brace while doing a dynamic movement, they really get to feel, okay, this is kind of what I want to be doing and go towards. And people I've had do it and then immediately take the band off and like, okay, do a next set and try to mimic or recreate that tension. It replaces 50 cues where I'd be saying, you know, head back, shoulders here, all this. Mm -hmm. They just feel it. Uh, that was a big part for me was because the first time I ever did it, I only grabbed a four kg kettlebell. That was it. And then I had 35 kg kettlebells. So I was just doing, I was like, well, let me try some deadlifts. So I did them without the loaded in the jaw. And then I did the next set loaded with the jaw. And I was like, oh my God, that just seemed so light and so almost effortless to lift those same kettlebells that it had just literally been like two minutes early. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about that. I think we're so used to loading the body through the hands mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, through the scap and that part that when you create a long lever and kind of load this head, everything kind of below it gets, gets stacked, lined up. And then when you use that long lever without it, you're like, okay, this, so this is more of the, into the fulcrum, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So have you tested it out where, so right now, you know, you haven't put them on their feet. So you get this more of this, you know, vertical force. Have you done it where you set the anchor point more horizontal in front of you where you're biting and pulling back this way? So like a head, head height anchor point for the band? Yeah, I played around with that for more like neck isolation work. For body weight stuff, the band anchored to the feet Works great, like sagittal plan, push-ups, pull-ups, mm -hmm. rows, stuff like that. For deadlifts and for squats, I like the band a few feet in front on the ground. So it's pulling like 45 degrees downward. And yeah, I'll do straight ahead and a bit up for neck isolation exercises. So basically, you like to set it at the angle of, of pull or push of, of whatever you're doing, essentially. Yeah, essentially, it's RNT, okay. you know, yeah. reactive neuromuscular yeah. training. Where, what do I want to uh, fight against? Yeah, and that's where I want to put it. Well, I know when we post stuff with jaw training, master training, even neck training, 
and, you know, you get the comments of that you're going to injure yourself and blah, blah, blah. But your people have to understand, of course, you're starting with light stimulus. It's not like we're just diving full into like max load efforts. There is a lot of subtleties, especially with bite force training, when you're loading externally is to make sure, you know, you're not biting down with just the incisors, but you want to make sure that your molars are engaged and really clenching that jaw. Yeah, I think that's what people are imagining when they're thinking about what it would feel like. You don't yeah. want to feel any of yeah, incisors front teeth yeah. at all. No. Um, if you feel the molars, it's really, it's really effortless. I mean, you're just having that isometric clench, which is very strong if you have the proper occlusion biting down in the back. And, and speaking of that, it really teaches people, okay, that's like the way I need to bite that to get a good clamp is like a really good bite. Mm, and yeah. when people, I've had so many people message me saying, oh man, I have this like TMJ next, that like these issues have kind of went away after that. Oh. Um, you know. We, we can't make the claim that this is yeah. the, the cure, but I'm wondering like, hmm, I wonder why. And I think because they're just like biting in this more centrated occlusion because they have the task of holding this in their mouth. You know, mm -hmm. so maybe just them accessing that can only be beneficial if they haven't before. Well, I know you, you in your last webinar that I watched, you talked about Daniel Lieberman and his research out of Harvard you know, studying facial structure of our ancestors and, and the jaw structure of how our faces are so much smaller nowadays. Yeah, faces are the, the masseter, the bone morphology, the structures has gone down. And they think they're not exactly sure the exact cause because it's probably multifactorial, mm -hmm. but they know that it's not like evolutionary. You know, it's something in the modern, because we have pretty much the same genetic um, profile, but something in the modern environment is causing us not to develop these features. And it's like modern processed food, like soft foods where we mm -hmm. don't have to chew yeah. as much. Um, some people, if you get into like the mewing community, the myo orofacial, like a myofunctional community, mm -hmm. like it's, that's the dentistry where they try to like put in the hardware and do the training to get your bite and jaw and everything in a certain alignment they'll say you know we, we're just holding <laughs> the way we hold our face is differently and that's including the tongue posture that's including the jaw and i think before all these things were constrained by we were chewing a lot more food a lot more fibrous and harder food and so that's an easy thing that we could implement is like let's just treat it like we train exercise right we don't walk as much so we're not our, our, we're not using these muscles as much here's a great tool like a kettlebell or barbell where we could load it up and get bang for a buck in under 30 minutes <laughs> so okay let, let's see if we can do the same thing for the jaw uh, so it'd be interesting to as you know years go by to see how it, it it's going to affect the tissue it's going to adapt so it'd be interesting to see how the structure changes from this kind of training. Do you see a lot of hesitation, trepidation from clients that you're introducing this to? Um, you know, I'm not having them do weighted okay. jaw feats or anything. If anything, I'm just having them bite their t-shirt or bite a towel with wow. the band. Gotcha. And at first they're like, hmm, weird, but then they do it and they're like, okay. Like I kind of get it. Yeah. And then we remove it when they, when they don't need it anymore and they could kind of find that uh, tension by themselves. 
so really it is a little weird at first maybe but if i'm not having them lift heavy load <laughs> that oh. would be <laughs> i'm sure they would be against that but i have got a lot of online of course a lot of people think it's dangerous think it's irresponsible think you're going to ruin your teeth and the dentists i've talked to and of course we have the strong men who've been doing it since what the 20s and aerial cirque performers in the 1800s um none of them i can't find any incidents of dental damage from doing these and they're doing like 200 pound lifts they're doing mm -hmm. body weight while carrying 200 pounds hanging from their jaw if anything these people seem to have kept their teeth into like old age. The mighty Adam Jr. is on America's Got Talent recently, like 93, I believe, pulling a car with his teeth. So he's still performing the same feats. So I think if done properly, just like we treat deadlifts, deadlifts can be dangerous. But if you prepare yourself and you adapt and you treat it responsibly, it can actually be a healthful build resiliency and be beneficial for you. So it's just like any other exercise. And I don't think it's more dangerous than say, I don't know, a bench press, which kills people every year. It's the most dangerous exercise there is. Yeah, it's it pretty, is. So I, I think people don't take into account the danger of something like a bench press, but it does happen rather frequent, a lot more than I think people would expect. I think it's the highest, it's literally the it's, highest like death rate of any exercise or injury is bench press. Right? Yeah. And people so freak I, out about Olympic lifting. I went on a little worm, uh, wormhole and okay, sorry, rabbit hole. Yeah, and uh, looked at the like descriptions of the deaths from one year of all the bench pressing accidents, mortalities. Okay, and most of them are at home, right? The someone's in the garage gym, and yep. yeah, there there is asphyxiation. They're like crushing their windpipe or dropping it on their neck. There's some sad ones where like kids pull the weights oh, down. Oh, that's yes, that's right. One person died on a like lap pull down machine in the description. I can't even figure out how he did it. Whoa. But, it yeah, there's a lot of ways like to oh, no, man. he like got tangled up in it somehow. I I can't describe how it happened. I would <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh wow. Well you know what's crazy is people with in home equipment, you're thinking monetary spending, right? Mm -hmm. And, and Fitness equipment is one of those things where, generally speaking, you get what you pay for. So if you're paying less, the quality is probably just that, right? So when you're looking at a bench that you're going to be laying on with a lot of weight above you, don't go cheap, folks. Let's just start there, right? There was a company, I don't even know if they're around, but in the 70s and 80s, DP was a very popular line of at-home fitness equipment. Mm -hmm. And they sold benches and bars. And, you know, I'll tell you, it was, I think the max weight the bench could take was probably like 400 pounds, 500. And that's including the person themselves. It was so cheaply built. But you would find it in the Sears catalog, the JC Penny catalog. But I don't know how many people had this stuff. I mean, I had one. But I look back at the quality and I'm like, holy shit, that was just. You get that little wobble. Oh, no, no. yes. Oh, there were, oh, for sure. The pipes on it, the bars were really thin and hollow. So, yeah, I look back at that type of equipment and I'm like, yeah, like when I was putting the one, even just in high school, you know, using 135, 150 with my body weight and that. You, you can feel that bench kind of just going, yeah. But 
you just don't really think about it at the time. You're just like, okay, whatever. But looking back, you're like, yeah, that was a piece of shit equipment. That was cheap. Yeah, back back in my day, that's what we listed on. And yeah. You know what I do is I, when I was benching a lot, I would, by myself, I would never clip or collar. Yeah. Else. All the weights. Yep. That's yeah. the, Just in so case. You can, yeah, that always cross. Yeah. Oh, you just the you little turn stain. it off, yeah, yeah. turn it the other way. Can't do that with kids running around, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would recommend that. Yeah. People, but yeah, because I've lifted in my garage, but when the kids are running around there, man, like it's a different no ball chance. game. I don't even, I don't do anything like that because you don't know, man. My, my son's all over the place. He'll, because they'll try to tackle me yeah. if I had, you know, weight over my head. Because they don't know. They just don't understand the ramifications. They, don't get, it, they yeah. don't get it. They're not old enough to comprehend what the possible results could be. They just see, woo, you know, they're just doing what kids do. They don't know what that little plate feels like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? When they understand the physics and gravity of it. <laughs> like when I was a kid, I remember a weight falling on my foot when I was messing around. And after that, I was like, okay, these things are weapons. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cut your toe off. <laughs> well, you had talked about the specialized mouthpieces. I've been trying to find the ones that they used to use. Well, that you see them pulling cars with, right? With an attachment. Where do you find those things? So you can't find them. They have to be custom built. And funny you mentioned that. I'm headed to the post office right now to pick one up. Really? Okay. So I had one built for me by one of the top Cirque Iron Jaw athletes in like Romania. Oh, shit. So I'm I'm working with him. I'm, I'm training with him now. Okay. To to do some of this stuff. So he like had to he like had to get my bite profile. I sent it to him. He built the strap off of my, you know, mouth dimensions. And, oh. and I kind of want to figure out how he did it and how it looks. And and I'll try to maybe I can make some for you guys. But yeah, you can't buy them anywhere. Well, Laylee can make molds pretty easily. Well, I get office. the I get the mold, but the attachment yeah. piece where you can attach the strap because like when I did sled pulls, I was doing reverse sled walks. All I did was grab the towel and then I put I just threaded that through the strap. So that's what I was using. But because like I said, I was trying to Google, well, where do I find these? Because you see them on the world's strongest man contests and things like that, where you know they have it attached to the truck or the Jeep or whatever they're pulling. And so you got to have those pers- uh, custom made, huh? Okay. All right. As I've been going heavier with the towel, they've been ripping, oh. even like doubling it up, like folding it up, like the, my incisors, like the, it was just cut through the fabric. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah. You can't really like, depending on the fabric, you yeah. have to be careful loading it up heavy, but this is like, you know, ridiculously heavy. The towel's okay for manageable weight but yeah you're gonna need something leather one of those leather straps okay would be perfect okay. for for a car <laughs> definitely yeah yeah well i was pulling 225 that felt really good yeah. just backwards oh, nice. but yeah so that felt really good i even did reverse crawl pattern and uh, with that felt really good i know people would be like oh, what about the excessive neck extension but it was just locked in it was stable it didn't feel i mean it's kind of pulling you yeah, even to more traction, traction anyways, right? right? So. so that's why I was like, okay. So I think some of the things that we think might happen, actually, they don't, right? So in that reverse crawl pattern, you literally, I mean, your arms are pushing, 
your back is pulling, everything's working synergistically together. It feels just amazing. Yeah. And what's wrong with loading neck extension? You know, that's any wrestling you see or do, you like, you're someone's trying to pull your head down and right. you're, you're, you're bridging on it. And these people probably have healthier, more resilient muscles around the neck and, and cervical spine than the average person. So, yeah, I mean, get the neck strong in all different positions. Yeah, so well, you bring up a great point. Like, if you're getting into a grappling, you know, if you're grappling or you're in, the, you're in a fight with somebody, a lot of times they're going to try to, they're going to pull you in, right? They want to get you in close. Well, when somebody grabs the back of your head, you don't just let them pull you forward. You resist, like you want to try to get away from them. So yeah, you've got to do the same exact thing. Load that neck and extension. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's people out there like, oh, got to keep my neck neutral. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and then their faces is in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll definitely have to get with you on that and talk about getting that mouthpiece. So I'm definitely interested in getting one for sure. Yeah, I'd like to check that out for sure. Yeah, definitely. And Neil, yeah, that hit me up after. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely. So I know you talked about the neck training. Iron Neck sent me in one of their tools and I really liked it. I'd, I'd enjoy it for myself, cool. but I have a really hard problem getting clients to use it. And so I've really resorted to just using resistance bands to do the same exact thing. I mean, I know you're losing, you know, some of the multi-dimensional advantages that the Iron Neck can give you, but yeah, it's interesting. Like I tell, I'm like, hey, I put this on and it just yeah, because it looks like a medieval I don't know torture if device I don't or know something. If, well, it's a little <laughs> bit of the look, but it's like the people that they're like, it's just not comfortable. Like, they just don't like it squeezing on their head, you know, because you got to really make sure it's cinched in. And they're just not really into that. Like, they just don't. And so if right off the bat, if somebody's not like, okay, I'm good with how it feels, then you're they're always going to be like kind of fighting it instead of mm -hmm. really get, buying into it. Um, I've, I've never tried the iron neck. I would love to try it. But um, as far as the band, I mean, I'll give people like easy Swiss ball on the wall, you know, leaning their head against oh, yeah. the doing flexion, extension, rotation. And yeah, that, that alone. And then just the feedback while doing exercises with the band, that isometric position with the neck while moving that that's really the bread and butter for me with like gen pop clients. And then, okay for athletes grapplers contact sport athletes mma fighters for them i'm doing the bite with the cable or plates and having them do like neck extensions and even uh with the cable doing the rotations like the iron neck with that as well yeah, that's a good one yeah but you're doing it mainly from the like holding the with the, with the bite yes as opposed to strapping it to their head and the reason yeah. So, I mean, there's a little personal bias there because I was in a uh, car accident years ago and had some neck issues, cervical issues from that. And I used to do a lot of harness neck work. But after that, it kind of um, aggravated my neck. Mm. You know, I'd have issues. And so when I did it from anchoring it from the mouth instead of the back of the head, I had no issues and I was able to like loaded up again i was able to target the muscles get a good stimulus and i was like wow this is a great alternative from this other one that bothered me and i got a lot of feedback from other people saying you know i, I stopped doing direct neck work whether that was like wrestler bridges or the harness strap because of uh, pain discomfort but the bite grip 
tends to uh, bypass that and allow them to train it. So, you know, I still like the, the head, uh, the harness stuff, you know, if you could do it great, but if you can't like the bite is a good alternative. And I think one of the reasons is because of that coactivation mm-hmm. between the jaw and the neck, just clenching and doing just loading that up and doing shrugs, even it can alleviate a lot of roadblocks that people usually experience. So yeah, that's my go-to now for people is, is the bite, especially when you're, you're doing stuff with contact that's uh, includes the head and the brain, you know, a good clench and having all that unit work as one is a good thing to pattern. I think. Well, I know cause you had talked about Olympic lifting, you know, you have a lot of lifters open the jaw, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what would be the distinct difference between clenching versus having the jaw maximally open? Yeah. So that's a very cool pattern that emerges there. Like people naturally in a lot of explosive kind of jumping Olympic lifting will like really roar their mouth open. So it's a maximal jaw opening, but, you know, think about like Jordan, you know, in the air, think about a lot of like discus throwers or shot putters. And they have this like mouth open, maybe a yell. And then, you know, look at people deadlifting or sprinting and their mouth is closed. You know, it's always closed. So you have these two distinct kind of strategies emerge with the jaw and the mouth. And when looking into the literature, so a lot of people say, okay, you're clenching or using mouth because of irradiation. And when you look into the literature, there's zero anything about irradiation, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sherrington's law, because Sherrington's law of irradiation doesn't exist, actually. It was falsely kind of reported by Pavel uh, Tsatsalini in one of his books. I think it was Power to the People. And then it kind of picked up after that, and people were like, oh, the law for irradiation. But in the literature, there is this CAP phenomena, which is mm-hmm. concurrent activation potentiation. Mm-hmm. So that's like the what you see when you clench your fist or brace your core with a Valsalva, and it allows you to produce more force during a movement. And they attribute this to like cortical overflow in the brain, in your, in your motor cortex. So when you're squeezing these, like when you're having a remote voluntary contraction somewhere else in the body, there's this cortical overflow of activity to other areas so that when you use them, you can produce more force. And one of the best strategies for CAP is the jaw clench. And I think it's one of the easiest to like describe to other people. Like if I tell mm-hmm. someone coming in on day one, week one, to do a Valsalva maneuver or brace, they kind of have to figure it out and coordinate it with the breathing. But if I say clench your jaw right there, they know what that is. They know how to do it and they get the benefit of that. In the studies of CAP, they saw an increase in performance from clenching the jaw. I mean, there's tons of studies on jaw clenching and performance, but they also saw an increase on like vertical jump from maximally opening the jaw. And they're saying, oh, because it's just activity in the jaw, it's spilling over. But I, I think it's probably more specific mm-hmm. as far as the tension that you want to create. So naturally, if we look at like the body through torque, if you're doing external torque movements, we tend to see people in those sports open their mouth maximally. Internal torque movements, you know, like the deadlift, powerlifting, we tend to see people clench 
their jaw maximally. I mean, we all kind of do that when we're lifting heavy loads without even thinking about it. So I think if we can now, okay, so let's voluntarily, let's consciously and with intention use these strategies that people are already doing, tend to already go into with heavy weights so that we can get more performance and more benefit out of our training. So yeah, it's very interesting that just the jaw and the different positions, directions we go in to achieve different tasks. So you think along the way that people that don't train just lose this natural ability or instinct? I think, I, yeah, I don't know if they lose it. Or I think they just, just, they can't produce effort at a high enough level for it to emerge. Because like athletic people, they feel what they do, right? They're not thinking yeah. about it. And then we as like in the training community, reverse engineer their form and we try to teach it people, but they're just like, no, are connected to their body. And when you're trying to, a new person trying to coordinate a movement, whether it's a squat or whatever, they're like, they're stuck in the head cognitively trying to perform this task. But I think if we could take the scale all the way down to like, okay, I want you to, you know, push this sled as hard as you can or throw this, you, you'll kind of see them just full effort that that stuff will start to emerge. So yeah, the more pieces of that you can give them and cue them, give them reference for, then I think all that tension orients in their body and it kind of locks it in, if that makes sense. Yeah. Cause like I find myself when I'm playing or when I'm about to take an impact or I want to give that little bit of extra leverage, if I'm leaning into somebody, I, I find myself just clenching the, the jaw harder right before that moment of impact. I've been doing it for a long time, even before I was doing master training, uh, looking back at it. So yeah, it's just that last moment where you go. And so I think it's just instinctive to yeah. go, okay, I need to bite down. I'm really going to exert as uh, access as much as I can, because in my case, I'm typically going up against somebody vastly larger. Than me. <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, when you're five, three, you know, most of the other guys on the ice are, you know, five, 10, six foot. So I'm already understanding I'm going, I need to access a little bit more just literally because of the difference in mass. And you're wearing a mouthpiece during this, right? Uh, actually, I don't because I wear a full, I wear a full face shield. Okay. That's badass. Right. Yeah. I, I actually don't. It's all shaded too, right? No, no. Uh, I'm not, I've only seen one person with that, a tinted clear face. Yeah. Because I wear a plexiglass shield. Mm. I used to wear a half shield until somebody hit me with their shoulder and I was picking skin out of my teeth. And then uh, oh. I went, oh, yeah, that was a uh, dude just full on. He was big, too. Just full on, just put his shoulder right in my jaw, right in my mouth. And I was like, I cut the inside of my lips. I was literally just picking skin out of my teeth. I was like, holy shit, bro. So that yeah, right after that, I went to the full visor. It doesn't get fogged up. It does, but I use uh, I use a defogger oh, yeah. be before every game. But yeah, I tried to go back to the birdcage style that I grew up with, but for some reason, my eye I just don't like it anymore. It's been so long since I used a birdcage style helmet. I tried it for like about three weeks, and I just was like, "Oh fuck this!" Do you lose the puck for just yeah, a second, it, like, which is bar? Which is interesting because as a kid, that's all I had, so I didn't know any different, right? But you're a kid, so it's you just. But then to go back to it as an adult, I was just all yeah. like, 
I literally could not get those damn bars out. Like as a kid, like I didn't even realize they were there. Like I didn't, like I knew they were there, but they weren't there. But as an adult, I was just all, okay, this shit's driving me nuts. So I used it for like three weeks. I was like, no, I got to go back. I got to go with the full clear face shield. Yeah. When it's clear, you will forget it's there. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Instead of being like, there's something in front of me Yeah. and I don't feel safe. Right. Yeah. I find that I naturally just bite down. Yeah. That makes me think about climbing, right? When I see people at the bouldering gym, when they're going for a big move, there's always, they always yell. Yeah, yeah, going right? for the top of the wall, there's always a yell, or even myself. Yeah, I might do a little yell, and yeah, so you're opening your mouth. And I just think with with exercise in the gym, I mean, it's such an awkward thing for people in general, right? People, a lot of the general population, this is not a normal thing for them. It's like, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna try to get in shape. But you're right, it doesn't. You can't really tap into that unless you're going really hard, which beginners probably shouldn't do right away in an athletic setting it's just easier to tap into the that naturally it just happens throwing a punch like you're gonna do that yeah i think another piece that elite athletes are doing that they might not be aware of or talk about is is the tongue as well Mm. you know i I like to look at pictures of people uh, mid uh, sport yep and and there's like this uh, it's something that i probably do, but I, I'm never conscious of it. Or I have to look back like, did I do that? There's this like lifting of the tongue, almost like a swallow. And you have this face where you're almost like smelling something nasty. Oh, yeah. Mm. You see this with people running and sprinting. That it's like, and it's almost like they're doing a little sm- smirk. Yeah, yeah. Up. Yeah, that reminds me before climbing, like I'll do that as a buildup before I open or yell. You know what I mean? And once again, it's a feeling. It's not something you ever consciously think of. And it makes me think, okay, how could, so how could I play with this and manipulate it consciously and see what I can get out of it? But yeah, the, there's a whole world there in the tongue. And I think that just goes down to, you know, everything we're talking about, the head and jaw and tongue, esophagus, it's connecting to the midline. Yeah. Like that's a very important structure that we pressurize and, and locomote with. So there is definitely a whole world there that I hope we get to explore. Yeah. Speaking on that, you know, my wife was showing me this video of this guy. He had a massive tongue tie, right? And it was never taken care of or anything as, as a kid. So you talk about that whole deep frontline fascia. So he, there's a video of him getting it released, right? Cause his whole life is, Hey, you know, you need to stand up tall. You need to work on your posture, blah, blah, blah. Do these strength exercises. He gets this thing released and all it's just, he's, he's up. So it's like, that was you can do all the exercises yeah. you want, do everything you want, but there could just be something structurally holding you back right there. Was that underneath? Yeah. Tongue yeah. Tongue right there. Yeah. yeah that underneath. Yep. So they Sorry. just, they just cut that laser it off, laser it yep. off and boom. So to think that that was literally pulling everything, everything down yeah. into flexion. So like his confidence, everything, right. Yeah. It just kind of sucks you in. Yeah. The bite affects your bite affects your posture. Mm-hmm. And your posture also affects your bite. It's mm. one system feed, feeding back uh, and forth to each other. So once again, when you manipulate stuff up there, it will affect everything else in the system. But that's, man, that's cool. It's like that one key log that yeah. you need to remove to get everything flowing. Like yeah. simple. 
So when people are lifting or performing, let's say, heavier tasks, should the tongue be up against the roof of the mouth or should we kind of be depressing it down or? It should be up, which naturally, so when you have the band and the towel Mm. and you're biting it back near the molars, you're Mm. naturally having your tongue below the band. So it's there for you to drive against. It's a good like loaded viewing posture that you could use that for. And if you're actively doing that, man, you will you will get sore in like the tongue, inner mouth, like inner, like inside like the jaw. Like, yeah, very deep places, very quickly. I've even heard some people gagging when they're yeah. doing it. <laughs> so it's like muscles, <laughs> yeah. muscles that you're that haven't been tapped into much, and yeah, it surprised me because yeah, I would fatigue when when doing maximum effort. Uh, tongue against the band resistance and 10 seconds i'm like okay that's all i got and i built up from there but i'm like man that's probably another one of those things that we have been deconditioned to in modern times Mm -hmm. uh with our uh, diet and everything yeah the whole the whole jaw thing man it's pretty it starts such at such an early age too because you know we were talking about this earlier right before this before we got on here about the formula and all that, but just kids latching on to bottles is different than breastfeeding because they don't have to expand their, their yeah. jaw and their mouth as much. Right. So just having that bottle early on puts you at a big disadvantage already. Uh, plus there's a subtle difference in the suction. It's a, yeah. It's a right? different way that they latch. So, yeah. And it, and a bottle